0: Contact us at www.theblueagency.com
1: The Israel Report for the latest news and insights
2: with Antony Reich. Antony Reich, Shavuotov, Bokertov, how are you?
1: Bokertov, welcome back. Just in time for a bit of action to hear about things that are going on here because it's certainly no dull moment at all. Um, in Israeli politics and, uh, on the streets of Israel. But even before we begin talking about what's going down this week in Israel, wildfires in Greece, crazy sure. summer temperatures in Europe. The Greek island of Rhodes was literally on fire yesterday. And we understand this morning that now Corfu, the Greek island of Corfu has also burst into flames with wildfires across the island. Um, Israeli firefighting teams, have been sent to help their Greek counterparts. Uh, an emergency aid delegation was sent to Greece on Friday morning already. Um, that was sent actually to the uh, Attica region, which is north of Athens on the mainland, in the Greek mainland. But it seems as if there are a lot of the, the help is now required actually in some of the Greek islands. As I say, dramatic scenes coming from Rhodes yesterday and uh, from Corfu this morning, of these wildfires. Um, I think a record temperature was recorded in Europe last week, 46 degrees on the Italian island of Sardinia. Um, now, I could say we've been mm-hmm. there and done that. Uh, it might sound like we're bragging a little bit. Really, temperatures are very, very extreme across Europe at the moment. And indeed, um, we're also going through our own little heat wave, not quite uh, 46 degrees um, but very very high levels of humidity and uh, very high temperatures indeed and it kind of puts into context some of the demonstrations that have been going on yeah, because yeah. it's all being held in very very extreme um, heat uh, and a very hot temperatures heat wave expected to continue at least until the end of this
2: week. Absolutely incredible, and I guess it shows the dedication of the protesters, which obviously is is one of the things that we want to talk about. Is uh, there were of course a massive, massive protest over the weekend, uh, both for the uh, both against the reform, which has been the the more common form of protest, and then last night we seem to have had a massive, massive protest pro the reform. Tell us what's, give us the context. What's really, what's happening here? How big are these numbers? Is this about left and right, or is it really about the reform? It's, it's starting to become very, very confusing.
1: So let's just get the dry facts on
2: the ground, first of all, just to make sure that everybody
1: understands where we stand at the moment. The Knesset already last night began debating The reasonableness law. The reasonableness law is a law that is proposed that will effectively remove the ability of judges in the Supreme Court of Israel from applying reasonableness when assessing whether decisions made by the Knesset laws that have been uh, enacted or whether the government made decisions, whether they be by uh, the uh, various um, arms of government or by the cabinet, Whether those are reasonable Mm -hmm. in terms of the way that the judges assess that. They've had the right to do that up until now. And the idea of this reasonableness law is that that ability will be removed from them. So they will then only be allowed to rule on points of law. They won't be able, they won't be allowed to apply this reasonableness test. And that law is due to go through the Knesset. Probably today, as far as we can make out, uh, the uh, debate already began last night for the second and third readings. And that is what has really brought people out onto the streets because they see this uh, reasonableness law as just the first stage of a much broader judicial reform process, um, which will involve the appointment of judges and, and potentially some other aspects of the, judicial, the judiciary in Israel which is considered to be something of a threat uh, in some people's eyes to Israel's democracy and the way that things run in Israel. The president returned back from his trip to the United States, and he already met with the main protagonist, with Prime Minister Netanyahu and with leaders of the opposition, Benny Gantz and Yair Lapid, in order to put a proposal forward, a compromise proposal, that Yair Lapid immediately accepted, uh, the Prime Minister not so much, at least not yet, And in the meantime, the law is making its way through the Knesset. People are out on the streets in the tens of thousands. Some of them protesting against this law, and of course, as you mentioned yesterday, a massive demonstration in uh, Rukhov Kaplan, in the heart of where the the anti-protest movement held their protests up until now. That's where the pros were protesting yesterday, while the antis were all in Jerusalem after a march that took place from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem starting last Tuesday, all along the road to Jerusalem, 10,000 people, 10,000 people walked into the city of Jerusalem on that protest on Saturday afternoon, and they've now camped themselves outside the Knesset in protest against this law that is due to uh, be debated in the Knesset today. Will there be a last-minute uh, stop or uh, slow down Not sure it could easily happen 150 companies have said That they will be going on strike today Against the passage of this law There is massive opposition And massive controversy Surrounding the reasonableness law And of course surrounding the judicial reform process Which um, as I've said before Many people see as an attack On Israel's democracy So let's just try And understand like take a step back for a moment and just understand what's been happening we know that the the anti judicial reform movement have been protesting on the streets of Israel for 27 consecutive weeks tens of thousands of people turning up on the streets of Israel across the country week after week after week after week in order to air their opposition to the judicial reform process in general and, of course, to the reasonableness law in particular, which is the first stage um, uh, that that will be going through the Knesset later today. Um, People very dedicated. One of the great things that I've witnessed in Israel over the last six months is how dedicated people are to this country. It's incredible to see how people just will not give up. They love this country so much and they want it to be the best them and for their children and for their grandchildren, and they are willing to come out onto the streets of Israel week after week in extreme weather conditions in order to try to make Israel a better place for everybody to live in. Now, whether you agree with their point of view or you don't agree with their point of view, you can't deny the dedication and the love that these people have for this country. It's an amazing sight to witness when people are willing to go Week after week after week after week without giving up, tens of thousands of people turning up. The question is, what is the main issue that's really at heart here? This judicial reform process, most notably, really wasn't part of any election platform During the time of the last elections. So this is not something that one could turn around and say, well, we have been elected to govern. And this was one of the primary legs of our election platform. This is one of the reasons why people stood up and voted for us. And we can't give up on our obligation on the the mandate that we've been given to drive this through parliament. That is not an argument that can be used because it really wasn't part of anybody's election platform. It suddenly sprung up when the new government took office. And I think that there are some people who have asked the question of the government, why are you so insistent on pushing this through? How important is this to you and what price are you willing to pay in terms of the country's unity, in, in terms of the clashes and in terms of the uh, friction that it's caused in our society? How much of a price are you willing to pay in order to push this through and make it uh, a point of, of principle? How important is this law really to get enacted? And that is a valid question that I think needs to be asked. And also, I think it also, we also need to understand that from a government perspective, a lot of people who have supported the government and voted the government into power, various, uh, uh parties who are, uh, who are, are part of the coalition, people would say, well, if we have elected you to govern and this is your decision, That you wish to take. This is something that you wish to push through. Then you need to be willing to to stand by your conviction and not to be sidetracked by the opposition who might go into the streets and protest against you. You need to show how firm you are in carrying out the mandate that we've been that we've given you, even if. This particular issue wasn't a central element of the mandate, but you're in government and you guys need to call the shots and you guys need to control the agenda on our behalf. I think those are the two conflicting views that we suddenly feel. And I don't think that the issue of the judicial reform per se is really the main matter to hand at the moment. So so, so, what is it really about there? Well, I just – there's so many contexts to this, Howard. Um, for example, when you see the reservists coming out and saying we refuse to continue to serve because we need to stand by mm-hmm. our principle, mm-hmm. I wonder whether there isn't a subtext to that which says – The people who are calling the shots in our government, many of whom do not serve in the military, particularly pointing at the ultra-Orthodox community who've had years and years of being released from any obligation to serve in the military or to serve the country in any way. And so those reservists are standing up and saying, these are the people who are dictating our agenda. Our agenda is not to our liking. These are people who don't serve the country in any way. We are going to... Also, go down that route and say, we've done our bit. We're not going to serve the country any longer to make a sort of a statement. I just wonder whether that isn't something of the subtext, even though it hasn't risen up in public mm, debate mm, mm. in that form. But I just wonder whether there isn't so it's just almost a like it's just become,
2: of that. It's just become a dumping ground for everybody's issues, no matter what they are.
1: I think that's correct. I think a lot of people have used the opportunity of this protest to air their views. I think a lot of people are frustrated that the government is being controlled by ultra-Orthodox parties, by religious parties, many of whom they consider to be not- acting in the best mm. interests of in mm. the State of Israel. They consider them to be acting in their own particular interests, even though those particular interests might be relatively minority interests, but because they, they have a greater weighting as the mm. influence of those orthodox uh, parties have uh, within the coalition is far beyond the weight that they carry, the representation that they have of the general public. And I think that um, there is a certain element of Israeli society which is saying that's not okay. It's not okay for certain minority groups to dictate what our agenda will be Mm. because Mm. they have disproportionate power within the coalition and I think that that's really the crux of the frustration that's coming out. The extent to which certain minorities have the ability to dictate their agenda and to impose it on the majority and today is going to be a very, very interesting and very critical day in Israel's history in terms of the protests that the protests that are out on the street and it, to see whether Prime Minister Netanyahu will insist upon this being pushed through the Knesset in spite of the fact that the country is in really in uproar and is split down the centre right now.
2: Before I let you go, I know it is eight o'clock, but I just wanted to ask you about his health. What is the feeling about? Uh, certainly, it, it, it annoyed me a bit uh, when I saw the dehydration story, knowing it wasn't dehydration, and then a week later, him having a pacemaker put in. What is the? What's been the reaction to the 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 fact that people weren't told the truth?
1: Well, there's been a bit of cynicism. I heard one radio broadcaster announcer say, well, if you want to avoid a pacemaker, you need to make sure that you drink well and you wear your hat when you go out in the sun and that will all be okay after Mm. that. So, a little bit of cynicism, um, but obviously, um, I don't think that anybody is wishing the Prime Minister any harm in spite of of the fact that a lot of people are very much opposed to the policy and the manner in which he's trying to drive this through. Um, He has had this pacemaker fitted. Um, It seems to be all okay. He did seem to go through some sort of a critical moment on Saturday evening when the halter that he was wearing picked up a very, very significant issue, which made, uh, the, uh, which, which caused them to rush into hospital to have this pacemaker fitted. But he seems to be, um, have recovered from that little uh, procedure that he underwent. Uh, uh, people are a little frustrated at what went down. And also there's a lot of question. There are a lot of questions being asked about whether we shouldn't know a little bit more in public about the state of health of our leaders.
2: And, uh, that is uh, where we leave it. Anthony Reich, thank you. As always, Carol Z says, what an interview with Anthony. I am in awe of the Israelis. 801, I'd love to hear from you. 34519 or 0618951019. Good morning.
0: That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. dot com